the Culture Guy Podcast. The post-truth episode, maybe? The anti-globalization episode? Who knows? The defense of cosmopolitanism episode. Welcome back, everybody. This is Christian, also known as the Culture Guy. I'm glad you're back. Glad you're listening. Always a pleasure to know that there are people out there who actually take this seriously and are taking away good information from our podcast. Today, I decided not to have a guest on, even though I have guests actually lined up and I would love to present you those. But today, I'm compelled to speak from the heart without a script. Well, I never have a script, but today there's something on my mind that I really, really thought I need to get out. Um, and this may be a little confusing, this may be just ranting, please bear with me. And if you think this isn't what you expected, then hey, fair enough, you got all the right to do that. Um, leave a comment in the comment box, um, send me an email, uh, leave a comment on Facebook or on Twitter, either way is fine. Um, this is the, the time of uh, the date of the recording of this episode is January 21st of 2017. This is day one of the new government administration in the United States, the country that I call home for right now or have been calling home for the past 13 years. And those of you who watch the news and pay attention to what's going on in North America, you may have been aware that um, this incoming government has been viewed with, well, let's say some, um, some would say amusement, others excitement, and a lot of people watch it with a lot of concern. And while I'm not going to pick sides here, I think it'll become obvious where I stand, and this is not to be a political episode. I think it's just important to point a few things out as they pertain to people who work and live across cultures and have to make that work for themselves. Um, I just came back from a full week of cultural training in the state of Texas with a very diverse team and a great organization. It was excellent to do my work and it, it reminded me of how important my work is to me. And it reminded me also of how challenging it might become in our country here in the United States and other countries that have a high degree of diversity, how difficult it may become to accept this and live it uh, fully daily in your work and outside of work with the rise of nationalist and chauvinist and sometimes narcissistic tendencies. And I may have talked about uh, may have talked about this on this podcast before. What does this mean for interculturalists, for cross-culturalists? How do we work in a post-truth, post-fact world where everyone lives in their respective echo chamber that only percolates the information and the data points that confirm our bias? How, How do we work in a world where it's becoming more and more okay to 
discriminate against those who are different from us? How do we work in a world where chauvinism has become more and more acceptable again? Um, I don't have the answer to that. However, I do feel very passionate that my work, our work in this field, is more important than ever. And I'm, I will be referring throughout this episode to an article I read in December on the Harvard Business Review blog, written by a gentleman called um, Gianpiero Petrilieri, and I hope I'm saying his name right. So Gianpiero, if you're listening, which I hope you do, then I would love to get in touch with you and see maybe you can become a guest on this podcast soon. And Giampiero wrote an article with the headline, In Defense of, Co- in Defense of Cosmopolitanism. Go look it up. Uh, it's on the Harvard Business Review blog. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. And Giampiero says, these are dark times for cosmopolitans. And what he means with cosmopolitanism is, well, it's not globalism. It's not globalization, and it's kind of stuck between globalization trends and the reoccurring nationalism that we see in the wake of Brexit in the UK with uh, the incoming government in the United States that you see with um, xenophobic tendencies in countries like France, Hungary, Germany, Poland, throughout many European countries. And the question is, where does that leave the cosmopolitans? And I view myself as one of them, and I'm with Giampiero. Um, we are people who aspire to become citizens of the world, not so much the citizens of our hometown, our home region, or our homeland. And while this may sound counterintuitive to some of you, don't you, don't you have a German passport, Christian? Aren't you German? Aren't you? Yes, I am. Of course I am. I'm also, and this, those of you who've met me in, in real life or in a training room may remember that I, when I introduce myself, I say, I'm Tennessean by choice, I'm German by passport, and I am Bavarian at heart, which is to express where I'm from, what passport and nationality I carry, and where my current home is, and that doesn't diminish any of the three. I am passionate about all three of those, and as soon as I change my location, I will say that in my introduction as well. So cosmopolitans are not necessarily those who are flaming advocates of uh, globalization with all its pros and cons, and they're certainly not nationalists. We're kind of stuck in the middle, and what Giampiero says in his article, and I may actually read out some of the, the, the sentences because I don't have a way to say it any better than he did. Uh, he, he reminds those of us who live a global life or who have been living across cultures and across national borders that we need to defend that, that we cannot become tribal cosmopolitans and what he means by that I think is we've become rather when I say we those who are cosmopolitans some of us have become become complacent in that we've created our own little cosmopolitan tribe which isn't very inclusive so we think of ourselves some of us think of ourselves as well we are worldly we're open we've seen so much of the world and by doing that we're not really inclusive we're making those that we interact with who haven't been on our path, who, who don't know much about our journey, we make them feel 
excluded or we may appear condescending sometimes and nothing should be further from our experience and I share a little bit of history. Giampiero um, is Italian, I'm German, and, and both, both of our families have had a similar experience because in the 1940s, at some point, our countries or the members of our countries became cosmopolitan whether we knew it or not, whether they wanted it or not. At some point, I'm from a small town in southeastern Germany, at some point in 19, I want to say late 44, early 45, U.S. troops rolled in with their tanks and all their equipment and declared this nightmare of 12 years Nazi regime to be over. And they brought with them rock and roll. They brought with them lucky strike cigarettes and nylon stockings and chewing gum and all sorts of things that were new to the Germans of that time. And those parochial, small-town, village Bavarians all of a sudden became cosmopolitans. They, they had an added layer of reality. Not only were they freed and liberated from this, from this terror regime, and not only were those who were criminals put to justice, but also were they exposed to a different culture. And they had to adjust to that in a real, real hurry. And the Germans, the Italians, the Austrians, the Central Europeans that grew up in the 1950s and 60s will remember how, how that part of Europe became exposed to influences from outside that they had been sheltered from. They became cosmopolitan and aware of other ways of doing things just by mere exposure. And what my parent generation was unable to do to explore the world, to go and step outside of their bubble, I was fortunate enough to do. So I carried out the, 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 the boxed or the closeted cosmopolitanism that my parents' generation had, and I was able to carry that into, well, it was then Minnesota. I came to Minnesota in January of 1988 to live with a host family to experience the United States as a 17-year-old exchange student. And my blinders were taken off and my, my concept of what quote-unquote normal is was challenged and my view of the world expanded. It, I, re, I don't remember who said it. You may have seen me posting a meme about this uh, with a balloon that says, Man's mind, once expanded by a new thought and a new idea, will never go back to its original size. And this is, this is what happens when you live outside your native culture, your native country. Your mind expands and you see new things and your normal, quote-unquote normal, shifts. Sometimes there's a seismic shift, right? So cosmopolitans, are stuck in this battle that we're seeing emerge between the raving fans of globalization and the raving fans of national protectionism. I'm not saying either one is right. However, we need to find a middle ground and we need to, if we if those of you who live in a, in a free society, in a democratic Republican society where your voice can be heard via elections, you need to take to the polls. You need to hold your representatives accountable for their decisions. And if you don't like what's going on in your country, then go run for office. Go grab a clipboard. Go grab a piece of paper and a pen and go 
to your neighbors and go from door to door and ask them whether they can get behind your case or your cause. Run for office. If, if you don't like who's in charge, if you don't like what they're saying, maybe it's you who, need to be the, who needs to be the change. And you see, I'm, I'm ranting along as I'm, I'm recording this, and, and this is, as I said, this is unscripted. Um, however, I'm, I'm worried about the, the trends that we see in the world, and I'm, I'm worried about where, where our, our profession of, of cultural trainers might be headed if, if there's pushback in societies. What gives me hope, though, and this is what was beautiful this past week in, in Fort Worth, Texas, where I spent five days in a training room, the economy, businesses, corporations, companies, they have no way of going back to a time before globalization. No matter how high someone wants to build walls, they will need to have doors to go through these walls because their products and services will continue to be in demand across borders. So the beautiful thing is the economic reality of the world is different than the nationalistic concepts or ideas i don't know if they have concepts at all but the ideas the ideal of protectionism and nationalism is counterintuitive to to our economic realities that's what gives me hope um so let let me quote to you the the final paragraph of of Jean-Pierre's article Cosmopolitanism thrives outside bubbles. Inside any bubble, it soon dies. And if we let cosmopolitanism become a casualty of the conflict between nationalism and globalization, we will have betrayed the dreams and wasted the work of two generations. Our humanity, if not humanity, our worlds, if not the world, are at stake. Beautiful words, wisely written. Um, thanks, Jean-Pierre, for, for putting that together. Um, we need to keep reaching out. If we as cosmopolitans are stuck in our bubble, and if we think our way of seeing the world is superior to any other way of seeing the world, then we're betraying the concept, the very concept of what it means to be cosmopolitan. You can be, and I know I'm the living proof, I can be a proud Bavarian with all my peculiar identity quirks, right? I'm, I'm weird as a Bavarian. Yes, I do own a pair of Lederhosen, for those who are asking. I do like my beer. I do like my bratwurst. And there is a whole ton of things I don't like about my native culture. Yes, I am staunchly uh, passionate about my cultural DNA. And I'm also staunchly passionate about my other identities. I am an American, even though I don't carry an American passport. I am German, yes, and that is my passport. I am European, and that matters to me. And I'm a citizen of the world. So if I choose to be in a tribe that separates me from other tribes, then I have betrayed the very concept of cosmopolitanism. We need to continue to reach out. If we don't reach out, we will be stuck in our echo chambers and nothing will change. So if those that we encounter and we blame them for their 
echo chamber lives, the liberals, the conservatives, the reactionists, the you name them. You can throw labels at them all day long. As long as we point fingers, just like my grandma used to say, as long as you point one finger at someone else, there are three fingers pointing back at you. So I don't want to be that person. I'm not going to point fingers. I want to reach out and I want to hear your opinion. I want to hear what drives you. And if your point of view, if your view of the world is different from mine, then I'm interested in learning about yours in hopes of understanding what it is that would make you feel better. And I would hope that you would be willing to listen to me as well. Only if we continue to have an open communication pipeline, only if we're willing to listen to the others, will we continue to be cosmopolitans. I don't care if we're in a globalized world. It doesn't matter. Globalization may be a threat to humanity in the way we've seen it in the last 10 to 15 years. Globalization isn't always positive, but cosmopolitanism, living in more than one place, whether physically or in your mind, with your attitudes, that is a human reality, not an economic reality. So let's keep reaching out. And I would hope that you would reach out to me. I would hope that we could start a conversation across ideological divides, across national borders and across echo chambers. With that, I'm going to end my rant here and cue the outro music and hope this was valuable to you. Um, go, to, go to the Harvard Business Review blog. The link is in the show notes. Go visit us on Facebook, The Culture Guy, or you can visit my company's Facebook page, The Culture Mastery. We're also on Twitter. My handle is at Hövale, or you can go to the company handle, which is at Culture Mastery. And I want to leave you with a concept that was introduced to me a while ago. Um, it is a, it's almost like a, uh, I don't want to say commandment, but it, it's almost like a, a personal code of honor, personal constitution for life. It's called The Four Agreements. There's actually a book by the same title, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I'll post a link in the show notes. And the four agreements, according to Don Miguel Ruiz, are first, be impeccable with your word. Always speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. And use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. So number one, be impeccable with your word. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Agreement number three, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstanding, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And finally, agreement number four, always do your best.
Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It'll be different when you're healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstance, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse and regret. So my friends, my fellow cosmopolitans and those who are on a journey to becoming one, be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Always try your best. And if you want, you can add my tagline. Always trust your process. It'll be all fine. Talk to you next time. The Culture Guys out.